Hey everyone, I want to welcome you back to the free episode of Tendy Town for the month of April. Today's episode is called UST to the rescue, thoughts on stablecoin and the possible role of, as, of crypto as a hedge against the system. Now before I get into this video, um, if you're new to Tendy Town, I'm just going to describe how it works. Um, so Tendy Town is a podcast that I started about a year ago. Um, all the proceeds are donated at the end of each month, um, and the exchange for that is I get a tax write-off at the end of the year. Um, so it's $19.99 a month. Uh, you get access to uh, a podcast every single week, as well as updates to my Theta portfolio when I am selling options contracts. Um, so it's a great way um, you know, for me to do long-form podcasts, but then also be able to um, you know, give back. So we've been donating uh, past couple months to uh, Feeding America, which is a great charity that helps, uh, you know, kids that can't, that are from low-income communities whose parents probably can't afford to buy groceries all the time. It helps them out and gets them fed, um, you know, and we've been able to donate, you know, tens of thousands of meals over the course of the past couple months. So I assure you the money is going to a great cause. Um, if you're interested in signing up, as I said, it's $19.99 a month or $199 a year, and you can find the link in the description below. Uh, there's no pressure. I don't hold back any alpha. This is just a way for me to explain in long form some of the thoughts I have um, that are hot topics of discussion in the markets right now. Um, or, um, you know, if you don't feel like signing up, I still recommend that you subscribe to the YouTube channel. That way, uh, when these free episodes come out, you get a chance to listen to them. Uh, or any of the other uh, free YouTube videos that I make. So getting right into this episode, I want to talk a little bit, um, tell a little bit of a story um, that kind of inspired me to make this episode today. Um, so today, my um, girlfriend and I were out looking for apartments. And, uh, you know, we live in California. It's not a very cheap place to live. But I was kind of like blown away at the cost of some of these apartments in areas that are like relatively safe like you can go to a certain area and it's kind of sketchy and you will pay 500 bucks less a month but if you want somewhere where you know it's a you know relatively um family related community or uh you know somewhere that has security or uh you know maybe the appliances are a little nicer or a little bit more spacious um you know you have to pay a pretty penny and so, you know, we're talking to the like leasing office guy and he starts telling us about how it's $3,000 a month for a two bedroom apartment. And, you know, for someone like me, that's not like the biggest deal in the world, right? But I kept thinking about what that means to qualify for, for like just the kind of like average working person. And, you know, when you run the math, they require that you have three times rent. So for a two-bedroom apartment in, in this particular area of Southern California where it's relatively safe, you know, people have to be making over $100,000 a year to qualify for this stuff. I mean, we're talking about like maybe 110, 120. And uh, yeah, you know, when you're young, you can, um, you know, just rent a room with your buddies or whatever and keep the cost low and everything like that and save up to buy a house. But I kept thinking about how the fuck are the people who are working minimum wage jobs 
or that work a nine to five with some sort of capped salary, right? Like maybe you're a financial analyst and you make $60,000 a year. You know, if you were living like by yourself, how the fuck are you supposed to qualify for this kind of stuff? Like what kind of, you know, people are getting turned away by these types of environments? And, you know, it just really got me thinking about how rent and housing have just absolutely skyrocketed in the past two years, leaving a lot of people who save money but don't invest it uh, really hurting in their pockets, you know, in the past uh, few months with the price of gas and, and the craziness of, uh, you know, grocery prices going up and not to include, you know, these are the same people that are going to be renting and that can't afford to actually purchase a home. Um, and I think now more than ever, there is this like realization that the traditional finance system is leaving the vast majority of Americans left behind to the point where prices are rising certainly faster than their wages um, and almost out of control to the point where they are getting just choked at the bank to where you know they, they can't even qualify for a place to live unless they you know have roommates and you know i know that the majority of you know people the medium income in america is about fifty-five thousand a year now fifty-five thousand a year in texas or florida is a very different circumstance in california but you best believe that you know the person making 55 in texas might only be making 65 in california and then you have these crazy discrepancies in the cost of housing and it's really pushing so many people out and the fact of the matter is that if rents and housing continue rising at a rate like this, um, people won't be able to catch up regardless if they are not generating yield on their investments at a faster pace, right? Rents have gone up, I think, 20% a year for the last two years in like California, same with housing. And the realities are that in the present moment of time, there is a lack of a solution in the finance world where people can achieve yield that is outpacing the rate of inflation and outpacing the rising cost of housing um you know when you think about it if you want bonds like a fucking idiot you're gonna make two and a half percent a year but you're gonna lose eight percent on inflation okay and then you know maybe if you don't want to invest in bonds you can invest in stocks right i'm somebody who majority invests in stocks but if you invest in stocks you know, you might make a real rate of return. Like last year, the market went up 25%. Inflation was like six, right? You made a 19% real return. But in in exchange for that real return, you're taking on the risk that we are, you know, the yield curve just inverted, that we're likely going to enter a recession, that the hiking interest rates is going to slow growth. And you might be facing this like risk, you know, on the S&P 500, where the market, um, you know, doesn't go up for like five years where you know you get something like this and it takes you know five years to recover right you don't want something like that to happen um and so the only way that people can actually generate yield or return higher than this eight percent risk of inflation is to just be long this stuff and hope that that doesn't happen the reality is is that hope is not a strategy and that's the reason that i personally have div uh, diversified into a lot of reits over the past uh, couple weeks or so because 
at least with the REITs, I can guarantee that there is going to be some sort of cash flow that I can guarantee and basically count on um, when the time comes to pay rent and whatnot. But for the majority of people, they are not in the financial position that I'm in. And so the thing that's interesting that I think a lot of people have been talking about, and I've been a victim of this myself, is when it comes to crypto, right? People are always looking at crypto as like, um, you know, a very high risk asset um, that has unsustainable return and that, uh, you know, is not a viable investment vehicle. And I think you could have very much made that argument maybe in 2019, hell, maybe even, even in 2020. But the reality is, is that the environment of cryptocurrency has the potential to generate yield that outpaces what we are currently experiencing in the traditional finance system is very much undiscussed. Um, and that's what I want to be talking about in today's episode. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind, and we got to talk about it here, right, is the entrance of something like Luna. So Luna um, is a um, layer one. Um, but the interesting thing about Luna here is that it has its own stablecoin on the network, which is UST, which stands for Terra. So uh, what you can do, um, and something that's awesome about the uh, Terra network, is there is something called Anchor Protocol. So Anchor Protocol, which I've been shilled many times before, and I have been a big skeptic before, but, oh, excuse me, I accidentally um, backed here, but something that is becoming increasingly certain, in my opinion, about Anchor, um, and uh, the reason a lot of people say that, like, oh, Anchor's unsustainable is because you have depositors and and this borrowing isn't keeping up with depositors and people say it's like you know this big ponzi scheme and it's going to collapse because there's not enough capital flowing into the market right but you can stake and this yield has stayed very very consistent you know through the entire process of anchor protocol you can use terra and getting 19.56 percent return now for um crypto investors that is a return that a lot of people aren't going to find very interesting. They're like, oh, 19% a year, you know, what's the big fucking deal? However, let's go back to the previous scenario today. And I know this might be unrealistic for some of you, but let's talk about it here. Okay. So somebody that is making, um, uh, you know, or excuse me, has to pay $3,000 a month in rent, um, they basically, right, over the course of a, of a year, they are going to be paying $3,600 a month in rent, or excuse me, $36,000 a year in rent. However, what you can do is, since Anchor is going to yield you about 20%, technically, if you have five times that amount, $180,000, which I'm not saying is a small amount of money at all, but what I am saying is that this is the first time, I think, in modern financial history where you can achieve a 20% rate of return with virtually zero risk and pay for your lifestyle with only $180,000 in the bank. Okay, and I know technically this isn't zero risk. Yes, there is risk. This becomes depegged and it's a Ponzi and it blows up in your face, and sure. But the reality is, is that this has been incredibly sustainable through a lot of market uncertainty in the last few months. 
And I think even if U.S. Terra, you know, does become depegged, the chances of it repegging again is very strong. So the idea that this is a Ponzi and that it's going to go to zero after it's been tested, um, you know, to its limits, likely in the last few months, is very unlikely in my opinion. The second thing I want to talk about with Terra here is that you could argue that things were a Ponzi when they were not purchasing things, right? A big argument for people that are very pro-crypto is the idea that the U.S. dollar isn't backed by anything. And so people have been talking for years about, you know, the Bitcoin standard and having their money backed by Bitcoin. Well, just so it turns out that Doquan and Luna are buying $10 billion with a fucking B, okay? $10 billion with Bitcoin to back with Terra. Okay, and I think they just announced maybe a hundred or two hundred million of Avalanche. They are building a basket of goods, diversifying this basket of goods and backing it in order to ensure that this yield is stabilized. And in the absolute worst case scenario, um, you know, ensure that they can liquidate those positions in order to maintain this yield. So I think the fundamentals behind US Terra and Luna in general are getting exponentially better as we speak and so this is really interesting because only in crypto never before in basically modern finance except for if you were an institutional bank uh you know selling mortgage bonds in like the 80s when they were at 20 percent could you earn such a risk-free 20 percent yield and what a lot of people aren't fucking talking about here is like you could say oh yeah the s p returned 25 percent last year oh ethereum turned 100 percent last year why would i turn why would i invest my money in anything else this is a risk-free return this is on currency that is pegged to the dollar this is not having to take on the risk of drawdown that's what people don't understand with ethereum you were constantly facing the risk of 50% drawdown. The same goes with Bitcoin. It doesn't matter what fucking price point you bought it. Sure, it can go up 300%, but you were basically minimum. Every time you were invested in Bitcoin and Ethereum, you have to think to yourself, okay, if this is a spot bag, can I handle a 50% drawdown? You are always going to be dealing with that. So it is amazing that people post-inflation can generate a 12% real return with zero risk. Okay, And obviously the risk is it defaulting. But uh, if you want to bet against this defaulting, uh, be my fucking guest. It doesn't seem like that is going to happen at any point soon because it seems like it would have happened already if it hasn't yet. So that is an amazing thing that a lot of people are not discussing. And I believe, I don't know if it's near protocol. I think it's uh, USDN, um, USD's nuts, um, is talking about... Uh, something similar to Anchor Protocol. I'm sorry, I can't find it exactly, but I believe they are going to be also producing stablecoin yields of 20%. And the idea that you can, you know, decentralize, earn a 20% yield on stables when Coinbase is offering you like 0.15% is just incredible. So that is something that's interesting because that is, I mean, obviously the cost of rent is going to go up right but if you had like two hundred thousand dollars and you were to stake that on anchor protocol you could fund the cost of rent and it's going to appreciate um uh at a value most likely higher than the rate of rent so it's really an amazing feature that is introducing this level of 
relative financial independence and cash flow on a scale that we've never seen before. Usually, if you wanted to achieve yields that were like eight, nine percent, there was two ways. You could buy AT&T, oh, this is the wrong company. You could buy like AT&T stock, which just slashed its dividend down to 4%, 5% because of the split with um, uh, Time Warner or Comcast, I don't remember what it was. Or um, you had a 30-year treasury bond. Um, or the last one, was um you know obviously rental property real estate which i think is still probably the best way for people to actually attain cash flow but uh you know this is something that is incredibly disruptive and that has frankly never been seen before um another thing i want to discuss um is the fact that um you can stake ethereum for yield that is equivalent to that, uh, let's say less than 32 ETH, um, that is equivalent to um, that which you could get on AT&T, except you don't have to be sacrificing the growth. So let's take a look here. I, maybe it's Lido. Lido Finance. That's not spelled correctly. Um, yeah, here we go. So I think Lido offers Ethereum staking for about four or five percent yield. Um, let's take a look here. Stake now. Okay, but yeah, four percent, six percent on Terra, six percent on Solana, twenty-two percent on Kusama. Um, you get my point. Never before, again, in the history of modern finance, have you been able to participate in growth assets like Ethereum, Terra, Solana with yields you know i.e kind of it's not dividends but it is yield at rates at this high usually when you are faced in traditional finance with companies that pay yield out to you um, that is greater than four percent um, you are sacrificing an immense amount of growth so let's look at dividend yield above or equal to four percent okay and this is going to filter out for us all the companies that don't pay 4%. Look at your choices here. ExxonMobil, Verizon, AT&T, Philip Morris, IBM, Citigroup, Altria. If you take a look at all of these stocks, I guarantee you they have not made a new high since like 2000, except for Altria, which I think topped in 2014. Okay, all of these companies are past their growth stages, okay? These are companies where you can focus on yield but you won't be able to necessarily generate um, much return. Um, Exxon here topped in 2014. Um, was it higher in 2000? No. Okay. My point is that the idea of being able to capitalize on both growth return, you know, um, not accumulation, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, appreciation, and yield is powerful. Because at the same time, uh, you know, you would need more money, but say you had like a million dollars and you were earning a 4% yield on Ethereum, um, then you are going to be able to also pay for that lifestyle. Now, it's going to take a lot more upfront principal. Um, the catch being that you earn a lower yield, but the chances of Ethereum appreciating at a very fast rate compared to that of traditional finance is very high. Uh, and you get to earn return on that yield. Um, whereas if we talked about with Anchor Protocol, you would need less principal in order to generate, uh, you know, these levels of cash flow. But 
um, um, you would not be sacrificing the risk of drawdown. So the ability for crypto to be disruptive in traditional finance has never been higher. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this today is because you just have an immense amount of people, um, you know, talking about how basically they think crypto is either going to go here or here and nowhere in between, right? In my opinion, the reality of crypto is that it probably looks like this for a substantial period of time and then maybe it ends up going up. I have no idea. That's just a squiggle. Please do not take that as financial advice. Point is that crypto is often used and viewed in a way where the only thing that people pay attention to is this appreciation. Okay. But the opportunities of crypto during economic uncertainty, like we are facing right now, I think, in my personal opinion, can be found in the generation of yield on Ethereum or Solana or Terra, whatever one you believe in more, or in the power of stablecoin yields. This would be the more ideal scenario for people that are looking to cushion themselves during an economic downturn. This would be the ideal scenario for people that are looking to generate yield but have some either enough capital to provide for their lifestyle where maybe they have a full-time job uh, and that they're not concerned about or anything like that. The ability for cryptocurrency to function as a hedge against the risk of the traditional system is something that is not discussed about enough. I think a lot of people look at Bitcoin and they view it as um, you know an inflation hedge. Well, it turns out that you know the highest inflation print was about right there. And then as inflation went higher, we went like right here. And then as inflation went higher, we went like right here. I specifically right here, because I sold right here. Um, remember the Winklevoss is tweeting about how you need to buy Bitcoin to protect yourself against hyperinflation. Excuse me if I'm wrong, but I don't think hyperinflation was uh, down, you know, ca major capital lose 40% in the last three months. Bitcoin did though. And so what a lot of people uh, are not discussing is um, that, yes, crypto can be great for appreciation because uh, crypto, I believe, is a beneficiary of the expansion of monetary supply. And I think that's how most people view it. And so the thoughts are that as monetary supply expands, so should crypto. Well, they just announced quantitative tapering. They're actually going to be reducing the monetary supply. So does that mean crypto should go here? I don't fucking know, right? In my opinion, I think we're going to probably end up over here at some point. I don't know how that's going to go, though. Nor do I think it's necessarily smart to go all in cash and hope that you're going to fucking reach that, right? It makes no sense to be like, oh, I'm going to go all in cash because crypto is going to go down to this line, right? Now, if you want to, you know, bet on that, sure, but earn some fucking yield in the meantime. Or if you're somebody that's like, oh, Ethereum's going to go to 10,000, everybody that's saying it's going to 1,600 missed out and they're all fucking poor, right? At least fucking stake your Ethereum so that you're going to earn some yield. The point being, and something that I want you to take a look at here, Walmart, while the NASDAQ was down 1.4, Pepsi was up, and Walmart is at new highs, right? 
Walmart just broke out of a, about a year and a half, almost two year consolidation. It's now making new all time highs. Uh, Pepsi is right near its new all time highs. Uh, I was talking about Costco, like a fucking banshee for the last, uh, you know, two months and Costco just broke out to new all-time highs, even though uh, the market is still about 7 or 8% off its high. What you will notice in all of these scenarios is that yield-producing assets, those that are known for their dividend, are being bid up, right? Pepsi, Walmart, um, I'm sure I could find some other assets that were being bid up. I'm trying to think of other dividend stocks. Exxon was getting bid up. Um, trying to think of non-war related stocks here um it's a uh, home depot was selling off mcdonald's was probably getting bit up i haven't looked to be honest yeah mcdonald's getting bit up there look at that there's a flight to yield producing assets and the point being and the reason for that sort of secular rotation is because if there is a market downturn you want yield because yield is going to reduce the impact of your losses so that's why the power of crypto when it comes to a potential economic downturn is that crypto has the ability to offer you yield that is first of all not experienced in traditional finance and second of all can't prevent you from a nosedive without you know the risk of a recession right the only thing that could hypothetically prevent a nosedive is bonds but we both know that in 2008 bonds and stocks fell usually people associate them with being uh, inversely related um, they both fell in the 2008-2009 financial crisis and bonds are falling off a fucking cliff right now hence the reason why yields are mooning so if you can't go to bonds for yield because they're falling off a cliff and now nobody wants to buy your bonds because your bonds are yielding lower than the other bonds at the current market value. And, uh, you know, so you flight to yields because these yields are yielding higher than bonds and have the potential for appreciation, but you can't eliminate the risk of, uh, you know, an economic downturn and your stocks going like that. Where do you fucking park your money? You can't put it in a checking account because it's going to lose 8%. Quite frankly, the only place you can put your money with the least amount of risk common to conventional knowledge is something like this because you're going to get 0.15% on Coinbase. You might get 8% on BlockFi, but they're getting fucking chased by the SEC. You can stake here on Lido while still not giving up your growth potential, but still earning a yield that's equivalent to that, the fucking boomer that's an AT&T stock. Uh, you can put it in REITs like me. Um, I put some money in Avalon Bay, which is a residential community. Um, it pays a 2.5% yield. I put some in XER, which is storage-related. That pays um, a 2.8% yield, and the majority of it is in OHI, which is a healthcare REIT that pays a 9% yield, hence why I was chasing yield. And the reason that I put it in REITs um, was because, uh, you know, I do not want to move that money into a custodial wallet. I feel much more comfortable with it being insured in a brokerage account um, for whatever reason. Um, but the point being, not enough people are talking about the importance that cryptocurrency could play as a way to generate yield and protect your fucking ass during an economic downturn. In my opinion, that is with Terra and that is with the stablecoin yields and with near protocol coming out in the future with a 20% yield. I'd be curious to know um, the effects that that's going to have on near and the stability of that yield. Um, because if we start, if, the, if this is starting a new sort of paradigm where people 
are now not willing to put their money into the traditional system because the traditional system cannot offer them yield like this without the exponential risks of a market downturn or uh, without the ability to not outpace inflation, then I think there would obviously be an immense market share up for grabs for people that are looking to generate stable yield um, off of their crypto uh, and the ability to potentially generate uh, 20% return on their capital. Uh, well, that's a fucking uh, pretty good place to place your money. And there's nothing in existence that even compares uh, to that potentially becoming a reality. So I hope this episode was insightful. I hope it sort of kind of changed your mind a little bit or at least opened your mind up to the idea of potentially looking for yield on your assets in particular um, during an economic downturn. Typically what you want to do is uh, hoard some cash that way you can deploy it at certain levels uh, and maximize growth opportunities. But it's also a great way if you're somebody that's concerned about like how you're going to be able to pay your taxes or make rent after you pay your taxes or whatnot. And, you know, I highly encourage people. I'm not, you know, I'm not making recommendations, you know, do your own research about this stuff. But like, this is a very stable yield, in my opinion. And the chances of this collapsing were much higher a few months ago than they are now. Um, so you can find out when you, um, you know, deposit what your expected interest is each month, each day, each week, each year. And, um, you know, it's a fucking amazing change and disruption to the financial system and general technology the ability that you can generate yield that is greater um, than most traditional stocks um, you know aside from very high dividend paying stocks or the ability to generate yield on cash which is never been offered before in basically any point in history this is the way you hedge yourself now if you're somebody like me that prefers the you know stock market just as a, as a mechanism for trading or for holding cash um, or deploying your capital or whatever, that's fine, right? I don't mean that you have to diversify yourself in these cryptocurrency pr protocols. If you feel more comfortable buying McDonald's or Starbucks or Visa stock, go for it. But I am saying for people that feel that like what they're doing isn't working or that they're not prepared for what may potentially lie a year or two from the future, which is a what appears to be you know a recession, uh, these are great alternatives for you know storing cash and being able to capitalize on those opportunities if you are in fact a trader. So I hope this episode was insightful. Um, if it was, make sure you share it with somebody who you feel will find it useful. Uh, if you're interested in signing up for Tendytown, you can uh, subscribe in the link in the description or in the pinned comment. Um, and if not, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. So thank you guys so much for watching and I will see you next week.